Welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Jim Stam. How are you doing today, brother? Hanging in there, bud. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Pirates have had a poor season. I mean, there's just no sugarcoating it. There's no amount of preparedness that makes it palatable either. That's the thing. I, what's really gotten to a lot of fans, me included, it is the utter disarray that 2021 turned into. I mean, it went from evolving to devolving real quick to the point where it was almost unrecognizable, constant waiver wire retiring and, and constant repeats of the same mistakes. Hell, they even went ahead and created a few of their own, you know, I mean, Mr. Craig is a perfect example of that. I mean, what you really want as a fan is to see progress and I can deal with the hundred losses I mean, I, I expect it even, but I'd like to come out of 2021 with less questions than I entered it with, and that's not what we got. I mean, instead, we were treated to very few signs of anything resembling progress, and that isn't something that's going to fly with any fan base, let alone a Pittsburgh one. So, Jim, I, I thought, let, let's spend a little time talking about the mess that came out of this season and see if we can see them cleaning it up or if we're going to kind of see them perpetuated into next year. I mean, you got any thoughts on that? I mean, I got <clears throat> I got a lot of thoughts on it, but um, you know, <clears throat> I do think, in a way, what we ended up seeing this year, Gary, is simply a I hate I hate to use this word um, because it sounds harsh. So it's probably going to be really widely panned and accepted, though. <laughs> It, it, it was a little bit of a waste season, and I hate to use that term because I think it. it, it what? Yeah. But I'll but I'll explain what I mean by that. Is like, I think, looking back on it in hindsight, what they did this year was they just bought themselves time. Um, for for me, what I saw was they were so far behind and needed this year to just kind of get through and let things help develop in the minors and just run guys out there and fill innings and get at bats. And no matter what it looked like, it was just there to buy them time and get them past this year. And that's how I look at it. I know that you can still develop guys and whatnot and they, they failed in that regard. Right. But I think like for me, big, big pitcher, I just think they were just so far behind that they, if they could have just fast forwarded past this year, they would have liked to have done it. They can't. This was, this was the end result. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? You're basically saying like they prepared to feed us a turd sandwich and we had no choice, but to take a bite this year. And I I get that. I do. But you, you are somebody that that's always kind of been a, a proponent of, yeah, we understand what you're doing but you don't got to suck this bad. You could go out and get somebody, right? And, you know, we, we talk about Ben Gamble a lot. I wanted him before the season. We, we got him, you know, mid-season because, you know, he was he was uh, put on waivers by somebody else. 
So fine, it's nice. The the deed's done. We got a real major league player in there to, to fill a hole. But we knew we had that hole, right? Right. So why did we go into the season like that? They could have spent as little as $10 million, and it wouldn't have hurt anything in this rebuild. It wouldn't have changed anything as far as the record, really. But maybe it would have felt a little more confident. You know what I mean? So why why don't don't they do that? Why did why the feeling to to need to bottom out like the way they did? Is it just for a draft pick? I can't see that this year. I'm sorry, I can't. It probably wasn't that simple. Um, and I hate to uh, I'll keep this one short because I think we're going to touch on it later. Which is now if they're going to do that again next year, the same approach. Well, then that then I would start getting a little bit more um, unsatisfied with that, dissatisfied right. with that. So this year, I, I look at it like this. You've got so many guys. They just didn't have anybody to pull up. Could they have signed somebody? Sure. Um, but where do you know where to start? Other than maybe some, maybe, maybe a, another pitcher. Maybe you could have done it that in that regard, but where would you start this early at the major league level of knowing what you were going to need? I think if you're talking about knowing you need patches all over the place, it would have been pretty easy actually to just sign a bat anywhere. It wouldn't have even battered where really. Just need somebody else that that is professional on this team, and they they didn't have enough. Now are you a pitcher, talking? A pitcher would have been easy. It's funny the way you approached it because you you were talking about, um, you know, not knowing there was nobody to pull from. So it kind of didn't really matter this year. Next year's different. At the same time, you want some free agents brought in here, right? You don't want to just go with, oh, we've got four outfielders that are semi close. Let's not bother signing an outfielder, right? Yeah. That's that's what's probably going to happen. We're probably going to go into next season with Ben Gamble, Brian Reynolds, Anthony Alford, and, I mean, if Lord Willen and the Creek don't rise, somehow Susugo. Right? Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. Susugo, but... Um, but then you've got Swaggerty on the horizon and everything. So they'll be more set up next year, even having a backing of actual prospects, which is kind of weird. So you're saying it's almost a little bit in reverse if they do it next year. Almost. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying Yoshi was available or they should have gone out and got that guy. But, like, I, I guess I'm saying you had a Brian Goodwin that was a professional player. You needed him. Uh, he had an out clause. And you, and you chose to roll the dice on, on Dustin Fowler. That's really the problem. They had Anthony Alford. They didn't have room for two of those guys. They went and signed another one and screwed themselves out of having a real veteran outfielder early on. I think there's a lot of games that they probably could have looked better in early on if they had just done that one simple thing. You look around the in, in you look around the outfield, that's definitely where you could see it, or like I mentioned, maybe the pitching. But around the infield, I mean they were gonna go obviously with Stallings and they were gonna go with Hayes 
and obviously they were going to go with Newman. I mean, that that's that hasn't changed, and I don't even know if that's going to change next year. Well, he's a superstar in the making. So. <laughs> you know, you know, I love him. Um, <laughs> so then we're down to uh, second base, which obviously was Frazier. First base, they were going to let Moran. So you know, I, I do think it might have been even limited to the outfield situation. Right. Um, I will be. Uh, even though even though it does sound a little backwards, I will be a little disappointed next year if they don't, because what you got to think of, too, is we can call these waste seasons or seasons of just um, biding their time till, you know, some of the minor leagues develop a little bit more and whatnot. But they already have guys on the clock at the major league level yep. that you're wasting years that they are going to be under control. Yep. So, and I know a lot of people get tired of hearing that control thing with the pirates, but let's face it. That's just part of the business right now. If they, yeah. Unless things change, change drastically. Well, see, that's my concern too. And that's why later on, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things they should be looking at this off season. So let's go ahead and take a quick break and uh, come back from that. We'll talk a little bit more about all that. to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. And uh, let's go ahead and continue our conversation a little bit and jump right into how the Pirates need to approach the free agent market this year and why. I mean, I think we kind of expressed a few of those thoughts just when we were talking about the disarray of how this season ended. But, you know, you made a great point before the break about not wasting the time of some of the players that are actually here and matter. You know, um, Brian Reynolds, Brian Hayes, um, Bednar. You know, you got you got some pieces there. Problem is, they don't have any pieces like that are ready to shoulder the burden on the mound in, in the starting role, at least. Uh, I think they have some pieces that have potential there. Some things I'd really like to see grow before I wash them away. But I'm not sure they have anything that I trust to lead next year. And that's that's where you kind of get to – this could get to three, four years down the road before this rotation is, is really contributing. Do they start to address that this year? Like, for me, I'd like to see them sign a Tyler Anderson type, but for a couple years this time, two or three years. Not, not somebody that you're going to cast off right at the deadline. Somebody that can come in here and be part of this team and really embrace the role of father in that room. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, even someone, um, you mentioned Tyler Anderson, maybe even someone just a little bit better in that regard um, that you can justify given a two, three-year deal to. Um, I think I think it's a necessary bridge. Um it will help them get where they're going quicker. Um, like we talked about, 
you're wasting some years of some valuable guys that you're only going to have for so long unless you get them signed to extensions, which right. I mean, until, you know, everyone's extend Reynolds, extend Reynolds, extend Reynolds. Until well, they until, do it. It ain't been done, yeah. <laughs> it, it hasn't been done. And um, the Hayes thing is kind of cooled and justifiably so. But yeah, I think if you're going to go and spend some money and I hesitate to, to go there because I just don't know if I trust them to do that next year. Um, but I would, I would focus on starting pitching. Look, the bullpen's a mess. We know it's a mess. But yeah. bullpen, bullpens can be um, um, rebuilt or kind of refurbished pretty quickly from year to year if you bullpens go out. Bullpens can come together out of nowhere, too. Like the, Yeah. You know, even this bullpen, you know, we, we do a lot of complaining about it, and it's pretty bad. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's good. But one of the guys that I feel the most complaints about is Chase and Shreve. Here's a guy sitting on almost a three ERA. He's been good this year. There's no sugarcoating it or trying to spin it at all. He's been good this year. That's a good pitcher. You want him, and we have him next year. He'll be available for arbitration. Right. They want him. So, yeah. I mean, there are some pieces there. Dwayne Underwood, believe it or not, that little over four ERA, as many innings as he ate, is not a bad bullpen arm. They're probably going to bring him back. You you got to worry a little bit about Underwood, un, Underwood because of the number of innings. Sometimes guys tend to the next year maybe – yeah, a little um, Freudian on your part, but I, I get you there. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, but um, yeah, Shreve, tra- I, I almost called him Trans Am Sam. Sam Howard is, uh, <laughs> it, God, I use it so much on Twitter, but Sam Howard, except for a few really disastrous outings. Yeah, he's yeah, been up and down. He tends to, to, to walk some people and whatnot, but bullpens are something you can turn around pretty quickly. And you yeah. also see teams that think they're going to go into the season with good bullpens. Yeah, this and, one in particular. Yeah, it's a dumpster fire. And we're talking about even teams that have contending hopes, thinking, yeah, right. we got this locked up. We're not going to have an issue through six, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, uh, innings. And they can't save any ball games. They can't hold any leads. And so it happens both ways. I'm not real concerned about that. Would I like to see them go out and get a starting pitcher? Yes. Do I think it's time? Yeah, I do. Money's not going to be an issue. If they really if they really want to inject something into this roster, that's where it would need to be. Then you can let some of these other guys still come along through the minors, whether that takes another year or two, and you've got that bridge, like I was saying. So what scares me most when I look at the system is not necessarily the talent. I, I, I think they have a good mix of talent, both on the mound and at the plate. I think they've got a good mix of guys that can fill in in a lot of different positions. I'm pretty happy. I, I'm worried that the pitching is trailing the hitting and by a couple years. So we're talking about not wanting to waste Brian Reynolds and Brian Hayes. I'm worried about not wanting to waste Kanan Smith and Jigba. And, you know, uh, I don't believe in Travis Swaggerty, but Travis Swaggerty potentially. And, you know, some of the other names, Cal Mitchell and, and people like that, I'm worried about wasting that wave. 
yeah, before that, we even get to Nick Gonzalez and all that. That's a that's a that's the big point that um, maybe we didn't even fully explain all that well, which is you've got to have it in sync when it's time, right? Exactly. And when you've got the uh, hitting aspect in front of the pitching develop development wise, this could be a situation where, you know, if you're only talking, you want to use the cliche window, whatever you want to call it. Let's hope, <laughs> yeah. let's hope they don't have these, these super small windows anymore. But for this first opening, if it's not aligned, you end up with a team that can hit and it's a mess in the starting pitching. It's, it's, it's fruitless. I so mean, it's very piratey. That's, that's, that's a pirates team, but yeah. traditionally a team that can hit the hell out of the ball. And maybe if you're lucky, the stars align and they can pitch. Yeah. You know, look, I mean, and, and we've gotten lucky every single time. The early nineties were Doug Drabeck and Smiley and, you know, I think what Zane Smith, they went Zane, and got Bob Smith, Randy Tomlin, you know, all those names like that. But Randy Tomlin wasn't supposed to contribute when he did. Zane Smith wasn't even supposed to be here. Tim Wakefield. Yeah. Tim Wakefield came out of nowhere. Fail, failed outfielder slash exactly pitcher. I mean, so they got kind of lucky there. And then in the, in the early 2010s, I never know how to say that in the early 2010s or whatever you want to call it. They, they end up like getting somebody that uh, the Yankees didn't feel like paying for anymore. AJ Burnett, right? They traded for him and ate his salary. Yep. They took a shot on Liriano, who turned into an almost Cy Young contender here. Wipeout slider. At, well, and that changeup. Crazy yep. changeup. And, and, you know, Garrett Cole came along and, and eventually Tyon missed his opportunity to be part of that window, really. But they didn't develop a lot of that. This is a different animal, what we're seeing right now. We're not waiting on one guy this isn't like waiting on chris benson this is waiting on a crop of guys you know that you hope you get two or three out of there's no avoiding if this team's to win they're gonna have to augment so my point is why wait to augment take advantage of what you do have you've got all these kids in triple a that are going to be knocking on the door next year if they have anything close to the seasons they had in double a don't waste that. Don't have O'Neill Cruz come up here and have nobody that can pitch. Go and get yeah. a veteran or two. Can bring can them in you, here and let these kids learn in the minors where they're supposed to. Can you imagine a scenario where O'Neill Cruz is legitimately ready? Um, I'm starting to, brother. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? That's kind of why I said it because I think everybody's looking at some of these. Uh, um, games down in the Myers and thinking, my goodness, he's maybe going to just absolutely force his way into the conversation earlier than anyone really imagined. Right. Um, I mean, I was just talking, I think last night in the game story I wrote, um, you know, because Hayes went on the IL to bring up Contreras, obviously they're going to send Contreras back down. So we're going to need a bat. Why not get me something else exciting to watch at PNC Park the rest of the way here? Get me O'Neal Cruz up here. At the very least, get me Rodolfo Castro back up, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing somebody else that, that's a legit prospect come up here. So, 
and you know, if I think if maybe there had been another week or two left in the season, um, they might have actually done that with Cruz. Maybe they just felt like it, it's just a little bit too late in the game, uh, a little bit too late in the season. Just let him finish out down there strong. Sure. But, they, yeah. But they let Contreras do it. So. Right. So bring him up here and let him get nine, ten at bats and see what happens, right? I mean, like, yeah. what's it going to hurt? Well, you think kids hitting the ball. Yeah. And and you think about that payroll next year and it's going to be so absurdly low that there, there should be nothing keeping them from targeting a guy in the starting pitching area that they could go out. Even if you've got to overpay just slightly for them, just to, just to make it happen, which let's face it, maybe that's something you have to do. But it shouldn't even come into the equation. Um, you know, it's just not part of the issue with them next year. Yeah, you shouldn't and be so, that afraid to make a mistake. You sign no. some guy, you sign somebody for two, three years, and I'm going to go ahead and say like two, three years, twenty to twenty-five million total. You could get a decent pitcher. Just do that. What's that hurt? You have somebody like that in here. Hey, if you still want to roll the dice on Stephen Brault, fine. Make him your number two. I don't care. But you can't have him as your frontline pitcher next year. And we can't come into next year thinking that suddenly Chad Cole is going to figure it out in his last year. And even if he does, we know he's getting traded. Yeah. Like, don't come into next year knowing what's going to happen. Just address it before it gets there. That's what I'm saying. And I mean, to their credit, they did go out and get Tyler Anderson. He was great. I thought he did a wonderful job here. Trevor Cahill, not so much, right? Just get me well, somebody. For, I don't need a ev- name. And for every Tyler Anderson, there are several, several, several Trevor Cahills going to be right behind them because that's typically how that works that's why i'm thinking maybe you can I'm, i wish i could think of somebody just right off the top of my head and i i don't have a list in front of me of, of free agents for next year but there'll be a couple guys you could target that i mean man all i'm asking for is one hell i'd take yeah. two and yeah. or or you know what there's always your bullpen you can address too so there's always there's your a, salary shredders too like yeah, there's a team like Arizona, for instance. They, there's they still have an identity crisis. They're not 100 percent sure if they're rebuilding or what, right? You know, they're still yeah. sitting on Cattell Marte. They're still sitting on David Peralta. They, you know, they got some players. They got Madison Bumgarner. Hmm. I'm not saying Madison Bumgarner is what he used to be, but that might be a fun thing to to eat salary, do nothing but eat salary, and send back some some crap why not well he's certainly a guy that you when you talk about um being able to be a good presence for a pitching staff from an experience champion. he's a champion. championship mentality yeah um how to go about being a, a a pro um i know that i looked at his numbers at one point this year 
And they were like, look, he's not, he's, he's not, not mad bum anymore. No, he's not. But he wasn't bad either. I was actually kind of surprised. Right. I don't know how, I don't know how he finished the year. And if but you got like the, a David Price type that Yark's always talking about, our buddy Yark, he's constantly <laughs> yapping that they should go get David Price. But hey, why not? There's yeah. a guy that, you know, if, if you could get him for nothing more than eating his salary and a lottery pick, do it. Yeah, I think what worries me, and I and I and I know you're the same, is if we just go into the same situation next year with the pitching aspect the way it is, how are they going to be making progress in that regard? Oh, exactly. For, I mean, like you can't just let this sit like this. So that's exactly I, the point, because like we're saying, I think there's reinforcements coming. Mm-hmm. For almost everything. But I don't think there's nearly enough pitching coming. I think you have Miguel Yajure, you know, who we're going to get to see start again here. And you have Contreras. Those are your two, like, hmm, those guys could, you know, make it up here. Osvaldo Bito, kind of like an unknown. Maybe he, he does something. Cambio, maybe. But they're kind of borderline. They're not highly touted guys that you expect to come up here and headline a, a rotation. Okay. To be honest, Ronzi wasn't before last year start, or this year started either. Nobody was thinking of him like that. No. So maybe somebody will just come out of the woodwork. Um, but I don't, I just don't see it. Cody Bolton. We've been injured all year. I don't know what to make of him. So, yeah. And, and even if you take a guy like Ranzi and, Let's say he forces his way into the conversation. Um, he's not somebody you're going to load up and have him throw 200 innings next year. I mean, so they're going to be not this team. No, so they're going to be careful with him too. Which you know, I, I mean, that makes sense. But it's just one of those things where if you don't pull it from somewhere right now to help out a little. I don't know how you're going to get, like you said, those things, those two things to sync up. It's a little bit like college yeah. sports in a way where um, you have the quarterback, you don't have the line. Yeah. You have, yeah. Right. Your defense sucks. Your offense is good. Or, you know, as far as football goes or whatever, and you just can't ever seem to get it all lined up at the same time. Yeah. Is, is it really that different right now than what the Pirates are doing or having to go through? No, but. You know, this this show is already about the pirates, and I don't want to depress people by bringing Pitt into it. No, so. <laughs> we, we don't we don't want to lose Gary, we don't want to lose viewers, so we'll keep it we'll keep it where it is. Well, it's like we were just saying the other day, you know, we we started doing this thing uh, about the pirates and um who'd have thought three weeks into the Steelers season we'd be grateful we weren't talking about the Steelers because uh I don't know how to even approach some of what I've seen there. So I'll tell you what, man, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the poll question and answer a couple questions from people as well. All right? Yes, my favorite segment. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. 
And uh, we're trying to be pretty religious with the poll question here. We uh, maybe jump the gun sometimes and put up things that aren't that interesting. Like this one I lost interest in by like Tuesday. So I figured I'd go ahead and, and uh, talk about it anyway real quick uh, because it was interesting how tight it was. Um, so the poll question was, if you're as slow as Colin Moran, which, by the way, is Moses in January, I believe, what... <laughs> What's the minimum number of home runs you have to hit for happy fans? Now, see, my problem was I forgot there aren't happy fans right now. So asking this question is just silly on its face. But the results were kind of surprising. Uh, I got 40 plus. The, the, the options were 20 plus, 30 plus, 40 plus. 40 plus only got 6.1. And I think that's probably because well, fans are unhappy, most of them are pretty realistic that he's not going to hit 40 plus. 30 plus was 49.3%, and 20 plus was 44.6, which a little tighter than I thought. Um, I mean, for me, my answer was 30 plus. I figured if he can give you 30 plus home runs, the speed on the base path don't matter as much. What's what's troubling for me is when he gets on, it's getting to the point where um, a single out of him, you you are not going to score without an extra base hit somewhere mixed in there or a pitcher that just completely can't hit the strike zone or something along those lines because he is not going to score on, on even a moderately deep fly ball to left field or center. It's, it's embarrassing. And, and like, anybody that bothers to bring up Joey Cora's name after Colin Moran gets thrown out at home anymore. I'm just done because I, I mean, that would never happen. Dude, but you got guys <laughs> running up his can to third base. There are sometimes he's on, he's on second and there's a guy on first. The guy on first has a better shot of scoring on a base hit than Colin does. And, and this just, He's slow. He's about the slowest not fat position player, baseball player I've ever seen. And it's crazy. He he has um <clears throat> I said this one time during one of their losing streaks and you know, it's just when you're really getting frustrated in general, so everything starts grating on yeah. you when you're watching a game. Right. And it was him So a Tuesday. Right. So he uh, he rolls over on one. It's a slow grounder to second. And he's just got that lunging slowness to him as he starts ploddingly lunging down the bag. And I just yeah. said, I can't think of a more gross thing to watch in professional sports than Colin Moran running down first base on a, on a ground ball out. So, yeah. Let's do a couple comments here because uh, our friend Angela, PSU Lion 7 on Twitter, she she's always leaving us some good comments. She She's also pretty pragmatic about some of this stuff. She says, N.A., not North Allegheny, everybody, N.A. Uh, people who see Moran as nothing but slow will more than likely always focus on just that. It, I mean, from our conversation, it sounds like we've just done that. So she's right. <laughs> And we did pretty much just focus on him being slow, and we ignored the home run question yeah. almost immediately. So, Well, l let me just say this about – I will throw the slow part out of the equation. I think if Colin Moran's going to play first base, um, 
you know, and not be in a platoon situation in the major leagues, you ideally want that guy hitting 30 home runs uh, or yeah. more. Um, I think if you're sitting around 20, 21, 22, even without dealing with his slowness, it's not enough. Um, hopefully we get to the point where that, that's not the issue, but it's probably not going to be from Colin Moran. I don't think he's got 30 home runs in him. That's just my opinion. I don't know. I really don't. If he was healthy all year, I don't know. I mean, and his injuries, were, a couple of them were hand-related. So it's hard for me to say what would have happened because he really did start out the season on fire. He was hitting a lot of home runs early on, and it, it kind of went away as after he returned, and it's starting to come back a little bit more now. And that, that's nice to see, but I've always had him pegged as a 2025 guy. So, I was just, I was just gonna say twenty five to me seems like if you gave him a full six hundred plate appearances, you're gonna maybe see twenty five out of them hitting in the two seventy ish two seventy eight range. Yeah, and you know OPS somewhere in the seven seventies, maybe something like that. And he has a stolen base. It's crazy. And, anyway, let's, let, and, and let's be, <laughs> let's be fair. He did hurt his groin this year, I think. So maybe that sapped some of that uh, some of that speed. And then and, it's, uh, it's complete. It's another example of Pirates mismanagement. They never should have <laughs> let him go try to play linebacker for the Steelers. That's right. So let's do one more comment here on this, and we'll move on to our question of the week here. Uh, Total Bastion of Sunshine, Eddie Shack says on Twitter, actually would need about 65 to consider keeping him around. He's a guy you lose with. Now, I don't know who wants to tell him about 65 and the types of players that hit that many, but um, I get the joke. I get the joke. <laughs> I do. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I obviously that's not going to happen, so nothing to worry about there. Um, and I wanted to get to our email question this week because I think you and I are going to just go off on it. I really do. It's it's a pretty good question. And it's from our friend Sherrod Learn again. It's excellent. Yeah, so uh, there are not many true bullpen pitchers being developed. How do you know when a pitcher is better fit in the bullpen rather than a starter or very long relievers like the minors do? High draft picks, Stephen Jennings, Travis McGregor, Brandon Ashcroft have been falling in the prospect rankings. Are they candidates to move to the pen? The Pirates' bullpen needs an overhaul. All right, bullpen does need an overhaul, as we've been talking about, and you're very accurate that a lot of that bullpen help is going to come from people that are currently starters in the minors. It, it's kind of the way a lot of this stuff transitions. Um, I will say there are some guys, when you draft them, and Jim, if you don't mind, I'll start on this. But, Go for it. Um, there's guys when you draft them, you know what they are. They're they're bullpen type arms. They they only got a couple pitches. Um, they're really hard throwers. They're not looking to develop in, into any kind of a long term thing. Um, guys like that fly through systems, though. They really do. Blake Cedarland is one of those guys. Nick Mears is one of those guys. Um, and a lot of people don't really realize Nick Mears how quickly he's moved up. <laughs> they really don't. And uh, yeah, he's, he's young. 
Yeah, it's it's because of his fastball. And um, I know it's fresh in your mind that last night he gave up a run or something. But the, the point is, there's a reason that he flies through a system. There's a, guy, a reason that guys like that do fly. Then you have your other guys, like your Will Crows, that they can't ever really make a go of it as a starter. And they wind up uh, starting out as what you would consider to be a long relief guy. And then they quickly come to realize, yeah, it was cool that we didn't want him to see a, a lineup twice, but in reality, it'd be even cooler if he didn't see the whole lineup once, you know, <laughs> and, they, and he winds up just pitching an inning, um, you know, or sometimes it's an old starter that just can't, can't hang anymore. You know, um, who's a, who, an ex pirate who made a living of that was um, John Lieber. You know, he, he, he left, he was a decent starter here as, as a rookie and, then he moved on. He tried to start elsewhere. It just never really worked out. He ended up being a pretty quality lefty out of the pen, pitching an inning. A lot of the time, that's the way it evolves. Um, Pirates might actually have a situation where they've got some starters that are just not good starters. It just isn't happening. And if you put them in the bullpen like they did with Chad Cole this year because you put him in the bullpen, he can hit 97-98 on the gun. Whereas when he's starting, he's ramping back on that a little bit, trying to stretch himself out and give you more innings. So he's pulling it back to like 94, 95. That's usually a pretty good telltale. If a guy has velocity in him that he can reach on occasion, um, like when you see Chad get really mad and he can rear back and almost hit 100 on the gun. He's done it before in games as a starter. When you see that's in someone, it's kind of tempting to think about what they could do if you only asked them to go out and do it once every two days. Helps. Helps. Once a week. Helps, helps if he wants to do it. Um, that typically would be uh, something that usually would help help you out there. Yeah, I would say a lot of the time that choice is kind of taken away from you. you yeah. Know? But, I mean, Jim, I can go on for days about pitching, but your turn, man. Yeah, you know um, – it's one of those things where I think what you end up to give a really oversimplified answer is um, guys that can't start end up relieving sometimes, you know, and whether, and now that, and now that bullpens have become so, so specialized, um, you can pretty much, point too. you could pretty much imagine anybody that you once saw in a starter's role somehow fitting into your bullpen plans Um in some way, shape, or form, if you still think there's something there. You know, if they've right. made it past the point where you're just like, okay, we've seen enough. This guy can't get major league hitters out. Well, those guys are out the window. So then you're into, you know, like you said, the Chad Cools of the world. Um, they did it with Stephen Brault, you know. So you're trying to fit, you're just trying to figure out maybe long relief. Yeah. Maybe a batter, maybe just lefty on righty matchups. Um, maybe Although those are kind of slipping away now with the rule changes, but right, right. Or you try to get two out of three, maybe out of those guys that you're going to face would be right. left-handers in the lineup, so you're bringing in a lefty. But I think that's really what it comes down to is, and the only thing you mentioned, which was a really good point, is some guys just 
early on in the process, and I'm talking about, like you said, in the draft, it's pretty evident they're seen as relievers. And that might be a guy who's just a horse. He doesn't have a lot of pitches. Maybe he's just got a fastball, and you can see him going in there and just overpowering guys for an inning, maybe yeah. two, something like that. And then you get guys in the majors that, okay, so they're not they're not able to go five, six, seven innings. Well, maybe you can see them going two or three in a game. And then you do need guys that can just come in and eat innings when a game's out of reach. You need guys like that. And I would say probably one of the most important distinctions is usually um, pitch mix. So if you have uh, two pitches, chances are you're a bullpen arm because you're not going to get through a major league lineup with two pitches most of the time. Um, one of the best ones I can think of um, is Castillo for the uh, the Reds. He he only has really a changeup and, and a fastball. That's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he throws some other things, but they're not really good pitches. Those two are, are his main pitches, and he gets away with it because those two are excellent pitches. They really are. The problem is, um, and he can give you length, too. He's a horse, and that's why right. he, just, he continues to start. For the most part, if you've only got two pitches, there is no future for you as a starter. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, because... Um, yeah. No, what I was no, what I was going to throw in there, and I don't know that a lot of people realize this, and maybe people do, but when you're talking about pitchers, starting pitchers, and let's say they have three or four pitches, they can use them all, variety of different uh, you know percentages and whatnot. It's very rare that a pitcher goes out there and has all of his pitches working. That's why very. you know from from every start, you're talking about a guy that okay, he's got you know, a two-seamer or a four-seamer. He's got, you know, a slider. He's got a change, whatever. So he's able to get by because two of those pitches aren't working that day, but the other two are. Joe Musgrove is a perfect example of that. Yeah, right? So Joe Musgrove had five pitches. And on any given night, he had two or three. Maybe. If he if, ever put them all together, which has only happened a few times, right. lights out. Well, and that's the difference between great and good, to be quite honest with you. So you're talking about guys, starters, even the good ones. They go out there. It's a very, very rare occasion. You're talking probably once every five starts where you go out there and all your pitches are just working and you're just slicing and dicing. So that's why guys can't get away with it with one or two pitches because there are times whenever we see even relievers go out there, next thing you know, even a guy who throws, let's just say they should fastball slider out of the bullpen. All of a sudden, they can't locate their fastball. It's slider yep. after slider after slider after slider. But you can get away with that for very short periods of time, especially if it's a really good pitch. You can't do that as a starter. Right. Like when Kyle Crick was on for his, like, three months where he was really <laughs> on, that slider was all he needed. Yeah. He could get by with it because nobody could hit it. Sometimes they felt like they had to swing at it, and they couldn't hit it when they had to swing at it. You know, Neil Walker said something really interesting last night. Um, it was uh, – I forget who was batting. doesn't matter. It was a slider. The guy swung. He missed it by a foot. And he's like, you have to understand, as a hitter, 
your eye can't comprehend as it's coming in, even though you know it's a slider, you can't comprehend that you're not going to reach that pitch with the bat in some way, yeah, shape, right. or form. And I thought that was a great point. But it goes back to that whole thing is, you know, that's that's typically what relievers rely on. Starters, it's a different ball game. You can't, like you said, you can't just go out there with a couple pitches. Yeah, and then there's some guys like David Bednar. He has no desire whatsoever to start. He wants to be a, a reliever. That's yeah. what he wants. It's his persona that he's trying to build. You know, um, that's he's what doing he a good he, job of it. Yeah, but he wants to be intimidating, and, and he is. He's got he's got the fastball. He already had a killer slider. He could have just sat on his laurels, perfected those two pitches, and been a very effective back of the bullpen pitcher. He really could have. Instead, mid-season, he teaches himself a curveball, right? And it's not just, oh, I have this curveball now. It's, uh, I'll go ahead and lean on it if I feel like it. I'll throw yeah. it six out of eight pitches if I feel like it. It's that good. Yeah. That's that's not done. That's not done. And that's a special pitcher that can do something like that. And he right. has a change up too. So, yeah. you know, everything I just said about pitch mix – yeah, well, it kind of works to a, a different a different degree in the bullpen as well. Um, and in that in that case, it's more about want to. And David goes one hundred and ten percent for that one inning or two innings. Mm-hmm. He, he could not do that if you tried to convert him to a starter. He'd yeah, be dead by the third. And there is definitely a a, a mental aspect to relieving that some guys just never never get accustomed to um they all come up as starters i mean very very rarely would you ever see a guy with the kind of stuff they have even in in high school and college that they're not going to be doing some starting pitching and then they start getting trans you know uh, it starts translating into okay well maybe we see him more of as a reliever but it always starts as a starter i mean very rarely does it not yeah, so I mean, most of the time it's a mentality thing or a pitch mix thing or whatever. Like Max Cranick's a guy right now. I can tell you if he flames out as a starter, which right now I honestly would not say. I mean, he he seems yeah. to be able to give you some length. He's got a decent pitch mix and everything. But what's really sexy about him is if he flames out as a starter, he's definitely got a bullpen future because of the velocity and he's got some wicked stuff on mm-hmm. one of his breaking pitches. Now, if he can clean up the other two pitches in his arsenal, he can become a really, really effective starter. So next year, I go into the year thinking Max Kranich is a starter. Maybe not here, maybe a triple A, but he's a starter. I also think, worst case scenario, this kid's going to be a hell of a weapon out of my bullpen. So I guess maybe that's the best way I can illustrate the difference in, in thinking on, on a normal player like that. Um, some of the names that you listed, though, like Jennings, um, Jennings, I think probably bullpen arm all day. I really do. Um, yeah. McGregor as well. I, I think they're both probably pegged for the bullpen at some point. But that doesn't mean that they have to be in the bullpen their entire way up, and, and, and they can know that too. Just timing is going to get in the way on some of these guys, you know. <laughs> sure. Like uh, Tanaj Thomas is another guy that I, I get that he's a starter right now. I think he'll probably make it as a starter, but that kid can hit triple digits. 
triple digits is something that uh, starters just aren't supposed to do. And you know how rare that is. Sure. And so he's a guy that you could easily see being a bullpen arm by the time he gets here. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, like we said, that that's an excellent question. And I don't know if there's really truly a science to it. I think it's just about letting guys pitch, perform, see what they're good at, see where their shortcomings are. Okay, he's got three pitches. One of them's kind of sucks. Let's just let's just get it out of here. I mean, we're not going to throw it in game situations. So then it's just kind of a natural progression once you get past guys who you think can't be starting pitchers anymore. Yeah. Or you're Richard Rodriguez and you get rid of all your pitchers except one. <laughs> You know, and, totally, and, and totally reinvent yourself. Yep. Then you take yourself down to the launch pad in Atlanta and uh, hope for the best. Right. So, hey, but uh, Jim, great show. And uh, we should say, hey, get well soon to our dear producer, Eddie, who was supposed to be on the show with us today, but fell ill. So I uh, had to bail at the last moment. And uh, we downgraded, we downgraded him to questionable during the week. And we did. Um, He's just—he's just not ready to go. We're gonna—we're gonna make sure he's ready to go for a future date. Yeah. So we got to take a break from going into the studio too, which was kind of nice for me today. Absolutely. It's a beautiful day, so I'm kind of just sitting here by the window, happy. But uh, hey, uh, Jim, how do people get a hold of you on Twitter, sir? Yeah, it's um, for the city underscore four one two at Jim Stam twenty two. Um, all Pittsburgh, all the time. Uh, give me some uh, feedback about the show. Give Gary some feedback about the show. If you're watching it on YouTube, uh, give us a thumbs up. Leave us some comments or questions, and uh, we love to get to them. We love to get to them on the show. So, as always, Gary, it's good time, man. Yeah, and uh, follow uh, the show on Twitter at Pirates Fan Forum. Follow me, Gary Mo two zero zero seven, and uh, Jim and I will be at the game on Saturday. Uh, for the second to last game here, um, I believe it's free blanket day, which is pretty cool down at the park. <laughs> but uh, hey, if you see us, uh, hey, shoot us a DM or something in, in the Pirates fan forum on Twitter and uh, meet meet us up somewhere. We'll we'll catch up and say hi, and you can tell us all about what you think about the show and if you want to be on it, anything like that. We're, we're happy to talk to you while we're probably not wanting to watch the game, honestly. And uh, <laughs> unless well, yeah. Daniel Cruz comes up, huh? Well, geez, yeah, that would be nice. But, yeah, seriously, if you're there, stop down, say hi, um, let us know. And um, like we said, we're always looking for people to chat with. And who knows? Yeah, you could get on the show and um, and uh, make me and Gary look bad, which sometimes isn't that hard. It's happened. It's happened. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, thank you, and uh, let's have a good week. Let's go, Bucks.